Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with military author, Harvard grad, and combat veteran John Davis. He grew up in Iowa and joined the Army after failing out of community college. He served multiple combat tours as an infantry squad leader in the 101st Airborne Division. He earned his bachelor's degree from St. Joseph's College and his master's in education from Harvard. John started writing and coaching student veterans while working for the VA. John has spoken to Congress as a legislative fellow for the Student Veterans of America and has earned numerous volunteer and advocacy awards. Today, he remains the most tattooed person with a Harvard degree. We cover his busy life, his first tattoo ever, the future, and so much more. Enjoy this interview. Hey, John Davis. Hey, how you doing? Joe Domino, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm feeling fantastic today. Good. Hey, thanks for taking a minute out. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited to talk. Oh, yeah, me too, man. So before we get into your life and what you do, I want to know, kind of addressing the elephant in the room, how did you survive COVID the two lockdown, and, and how did that process change the way that not only you approach your job, but life? And I was in the Dominican Republic, and I spent a lot of time uh, outside and the beach, and you know, it was a little bit uh, more relaxed society, a lot more outdoor living. So that that helped me, and uh, the isolation. I kind of dove into my writing, and that was what kind of kept me mentally healthy during it. Was just the ability to do something, you know, that was an isolated thing, which, you know, writing you're doing by yourself, but be able to reach out to other veterans and talk about COVID and things like that. Let me tell you right now, transport you to the front of a career day at an elementary school, let's say third graders. And one of the kids looks up at you and says, what do you do for a living? And how are you qualified to do that? How would you answer that child? I would say I, I help veterans through my writing. And the way I'm qualified to do that is I've served two combat tours in Afghanistan. I have a master's degree from Harvard. And I've really dove into exploring how to help veterans because I've been through a lot of those problems as a combat veteran myself that they face. So it's kind of like after going through something, you can turn around and help someone who's been through the same thing. Kind of like in your classroom, if you've you know, been through an experience that maybe one of your classmates is facing, you can help them get through it as well because you've done it yourself. You know, you don't hear about a lot of people that go in the military that are also a Harvard graduate. How does that juxtaposition or that melding of desires and uh, drive, how, how does that work for you? I fell in love with, ed well, I went to Harvard after I was in the military. I fell in love with education when I was in Afghanistan because I worked on a uh, I worked on a team trying to open up schools for girls, and in Afghanistan, obviously, there's significant gender discrimination in education. They don't want girls to learn how to read or anything like that. And I think that when you see something, I mean, you kind of, you know, as a, growing up as an American, you kind of know that things like that exist. I mean, you know those types of things are occurring in the world. But when I saw it firsthand, it really had a, a huge impact on me, and that's when I started pursuing international education to try and help help people in that situation, and that's what kind of led me to go to Harvard and and then, you know, try and use those those connects and that education to help to help people. As somebody that, you know, at, at my age, you know, I've lived and am fully cognizant of 9-11. In fact, I was in the back of a water taxi in Venice when it happened, 
and, and, you know, and we all have these ideas when veterans talk about tours of duty in the Middle East, Afghanistan, and all that. And everybody has this idea, but it's somebody that was on the inside, that was on the ground, that lived that life that most of us will never live. What is an aspect of that life you live that a lot of civilians just don't understand? What would, what would either be surprising or illuminating to the regular person about what you lived through and what you were really doing over there? I think the kind of the gratitude that I felt coming back, you know, not only to, to survive the experience when obviously a lot of, you know, quite a few people didn't, but the gratitude of, you know, I've never, I've never not had enough to eat. I've never not had, you know, heat in the winter or air conditioning in the summer and seeing people that live their lives in that kind of, in that kind of poverty. I remember one day we were on a school mission and we were handing out coloring books to kids and I was giving this Disney world coloring book to this, you know, to this little, to this little boy. And then I had the interpreter explain to him, Oh, it's Disney world, you know, with Mickey mouse and blah, blah, blah. And the interpreter was like, there is, no way I can explain what Disney World is to this kid. He would not, you know, he has no conceptual understanding of what something like a roller coaster would be or cotton candy or any of that stuff, you know, that's early on in Afghanistan. So seeing that really opened my eyes to, um, you know, how lucky we are in America and in the Western world. And a lot of people think of it as kind of the guns and bombs, but I did things like escort dental teams around because they don't have you know, modern medicine over there. So taking, you know, dentist teams into remote villages to help people um, and do things like that was really something that, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have done today. So let's go back to your childhood. Talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised. And you're obviously highly motivated between, you know, being in the military, being Harvard educated, being a writer, you know, you have, you have something more magnanimous than you. How did all those seeds begin for you? I grew up in uh, Iowa, kind of with, cornfields in my backyard and I grew up uh playing sports and that kind of teamwork mentality uh stuck stuck with me quite a bit you know I loved the competitive aspect of sports and I loved playing with my friends and things like that and then I kind of found um you know adult life to be somewhat more isolating than than childhood so it kind of led me into the military because I always wanted to you know keep working on a team uh and make a difference because I always felt like you could do more together than you can apart. What was the, what was your dream when you were a child? What did you want to do with your life? I'm still figuring that out, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> you know, I, guess, I consider myself, uh, you know, a military author and a veteran advocate today, but I still do a lot of other uh, volunteer things and try and help people. So I'm I'm working on trying to figure out what I'm doing do with my life still. But I think that. You know, I wanted to be of, of service to the world and of service to the community and things like that. I think everyone does have some type of responsibility to make their world or the world or their community or their state or their country or anything just a better place to be. So I think I kind of took, you know, I learned that from my grandmother. I grew up in a church where she was the minister, and it kind of took that mentality of service into my life. And, and you know, I feel still trying try my best to live up to it. So, you know, going to Harvard's a pretty lofty expectation, a pretty hardcore place. How did that dream come about? Did you always want to go there, or how did that dream hatch and become a reality for you? No, I never even knew anyone that went to Harvard or anything. And when I came out of the military, 
you know, I wanted to be a teacher to impact education. And so I started going to school. And when I was going to school, I worked in a veteran program helping other student veterans. And that kind of opened my eyes to a lot of the issues that military veterans face in education. Because by the time we get to college, you know, traditionally we're older, we're more likely to have families, uh, more likely to require employment during education. And over, you know, well over 50% of student veterans have some type of service-connected disability. Like I had, I was injured in some explosions in Afghanistan and had to deal with, you know, PTSD, some TBI, back problems and things. And I think it's so easy for us as veterans to look at the negative aspects of the military, like the one, like the things I just mentioned, and forget the advantage that being a veteran provides in life. Because in the military, you do learn certain things like discipline and grit and perseverance. I mean, I remember my first college class as an undergrad, I showed up like 20 minutes early and I waited and waited and waited, you know, in the classroom until I was sure I was in the wrong room or something. And finally, the class comes in with probably more than half the people coming in late on the very first day, which is just an, an unforgivable sin in military culture. And, you know, the second week was kind of like that, too, where the professor's like, you know, he told us to read a chapter of, of our textbook. And then when it when it came time, he said, who raised who 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 read the chapter? And I was the only person in the whole room of like 30 students that that had done the reading because, you know, he told me to do it and I did it and I was used to following orders. So that kind of made sense to me. And taking that kind of discipline into my education really enabled me to excel in the classroom because I had, you know, more maturity than most of the other students. I was, I think, 29 when I first went to, went to college. While you were in the military, is there a moment, is there like a mission or something that happened that you think back on that you just, you're the proudest of, that, that you always remember as something that was a highlight? I think the, you know, the first, the first day we opened up schools that, uh, uh, in this remote village that girls were allowed to go to, you know, the first co-ed day of, of, um, of education that, you know, the, we had engineers come in. It was kind of like a three month project of, you know, creating the school and then, um, you know, getting the village's support to get girls to go to school and all those things and having the school open. And then, you know, obviously when you do something like that, there's going to be, push back from certain groups, but seeing the little girls go to school for the first time, I remember the morning, we kind of, you know, we were worried that maybe someone would attack the school or something, and the morning we were, we were outside and helped escort the girls to school, like kind of, you know, throughout this village to provide security, and seeing them all, you know, I mean, there's probably only like between eight to ten girls that, you know, that went to school between the ages of like, I don't know, maybe five and five and 12, but seeing them all kind of, you know, holding their textbooks in their hands and, you know, in their, in their nice school clothes and walking to school and kind of supporting education that way, I think was a really good feeling. And um, so I would say that's probably the one that, that sticks out to me most, kind of that moment of, of uh, little girls going to school for the first time. Who's consistently been a role model or a hero for you in your life? I'd say, you know, like I mentioned, my grandma before, she um, she was a minister in the church that I grew up in, and uh, she she always she gave me the simplest advice when I was, um, you know, struggling with some of my combat experiences and some of the things that I had seen and done, and she was just like, John, you don't, you don't always need to try and change the world, 
just do three things every day. Do something nice for yourself. Do something nice for someone you love. And do something nice for a stranger. And if you do those three things every day, then you'll, you know, you'll live a good life. And she um, really was impactful in my life. I mean, she marched with Martin Luther King in Chicago and just, you know, led this incredible life. So if you could meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend a little time and talk to them, who, who would that be? Who would you like to meet? Oh, that's a good question. Alive or dead? Or just, did you say alive or dead? <laughs> we, well, let's open it up. Let's, yeah, yeah, I don't <laughs> want to shut anything down. <laughs> I, I think I'd like to, you know, meet with some of the great writers and because I just, I'm really trying to, like someone like Mark Twain or something like that, I think would be tremendous, uh, tremendous sit down and talk to. It's hard, it's hard to narrow that down to, to one category for me because I have, you know, a lot of military heroes as well. Um, and then maybe Ben Franklin. I'll say Ben Franklin. He's, I think, the the smartest American ever lived. So maybe I'll say him. So what was the book for you growing up that really kind of parted the curtain, that either made you want to write or really made you love reading? I grew up like a Harry Potter nerd. So I grew up kind of when the, uh, you know, first Harry Potter book came out when I was kind of in the age where that was, that was cool. And then uh, that made me fall in love with, with reading. And, uh, you know, my mother read to me a lot when I was a child. And then now that's something that, you know, as an educator, I encourage parents to do because kids, you know, the best predictor for future success for children is the literacy rates. So if you take a class, a class of seven, you know, second graders, the kids that read the best are going to do the best in life. And so, you know, I do some literacy stuff, um, with different educational groups, kind of a, a varied, uh, varied life that I try to lead. But um, yeah, I would say Harry Potter probably the the thing that got me most interested and passionate about reading. And now I try and read as as much different different things as I can because in order to be a good writer, you have to be a good reader. Let's say you have a dream tonight and you run into like the younger version of yourself, you know, in your early 20s, and you can give that younger version a piece of advice based on the wisdom that you've gained throughout your life. And this isn't about regret. It's about, you know, living life. What would you tell your younger version? First, I'd, I'd probably give them some good investments, maybe invest in Google or something like that. But uh, I would say just, you know, one thing that I think the can't be rushed in life is experiences. Experience is always kind of the best teacher. And some of the... Uh, you know, it's at the time when I look back at some of my military experiences, especially when I first got out of the military, you know, I viewed them as as these horrible, horrible events that, you know, I struggled with and, you know, still kind of impact me to this day. But looking back, um, you know, I think I've gotten to the point of post traumatic growth through some of those things. So I might I might tell younger John to avoid one or two girlfriends <laughs> that didn't work out. But I'm not sure I'd I'd want to change too much because I'm you know I've been been very fortunate. So as the most tattooed Harvard graduate, what was your first tattoo and, and why'd you get it? Oh, uh, my first tattoo uh, was a cross on my arm, and it was uh, probably just to upset my mother. And she was a she's a judge, so the only she didn't have a very good view of tattoos because she only saw tattoos on criminals that were that she was sending to jail, and then. Uh, you know, it kind of became an addiction uh, that, you know, I still have to this day. But the problem is I don't really have any space left. So if I want to get any more tattoos, I'm going to have to get some removed or 
tattoo my neck or my hands, which I promised my mother I wouldn't do. <laughs> gotcha. So what's been the best fan letter you've ever gotten? Any response from your work that you've received from somebody that's blown you away? I think that when I, you know, when I first wrote my book to help student veterans, you know, it's such a kind of a, a small category of people because, you know, if you're if you're a veteran and you've already been through education, you're not interested in education, then, you know, some of the lessons and things might not be impactful for you. But I've gotten some emails from um, administrators and schools who have come across my book, and they've been using it as part of their program. And they have, you know, I've heard that, like, there's uh, a certain schools that give it to student veterans on their first day. And then since they started doing that, their graduation rates have gone up. So I've gotten, and I've gotten some personal thank yous from people. Um, you know, one mother who bought the book for her son who was starting college, who was kind of struggling to get out of the military. And she said that, you know, he, he read the book, highlighted it, and then, um, you know, managed to have a successful year in college. And she didn't, you know, she, she didn't, she said he probably couldn't have done it without my book and some of the advice in there. So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your, your fans, but ultimately you live your life. You have a perception of yourself. Who do you think you are? I think I'm someone just kind of trying to kind of try and make it. I mean, I try and make life an adventure. So I, I consider myself kind of an, an adventurer. Uh, you know, right now I'm in Washington, D.C. for this military conference that, um, that, that I got to speak at and do this panel. And next week I go to Japan. So I'm kind of just someone that tries to, you know, at the end of my life, I want to have the most varied experiences that I, that I possibly can. And I'm going going to Japan because I'm working on future projects for um, how to connect veterans with PTSD to nature. Because I feel like nature is a great healer and sometimes a better healer than, you know, the modern medicine or Xanax or something we get. So I think I'm someone that's just kind of trying to figure it out and have a good time along the way. You know, I, I don't really take life very seriously. Um, I think that Sometimes you get in trouble if you try, you know, we're, you know, we're not getting out alive, so you might as well have a good time. So I would say an, an adventurer in a word. Right on. John, this has been great, man. Thank you for taking time out. Good luck with everything. Travel well, man. Yeah. And, you know, if anyone listening to this wants to uh, read some of my work, my website is johnhdaviswriter.com. And my book is uh, Combat the College. And I have other resources and uh, things articles on my website yeah i wanted to make sure to get that in there before so yeah that's a one-stop shop for everything that's related to you and your writing and everything correct yep all my contact information is on there if anyone has any questions i'm always available right on man hey john thanks again man take it easy Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino. We'll recover the world of art, literature, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.